0: Continuing to follow developments in the race for the presidency, plus all the other outstanding races here that impact Utah, including Utah's fourth congressional district, that uh, very narrow right now, the difference between the two candidates, uh, about 23, 4500 votes, with Burgess Owens uh, leading narrowly right now, more votes to be counted And reported, expected maybe an hour from now, uh, Utah County and Salt Lake County expected to release some data here today, but that's not all. It may be a few days before we get through uh, certainly Salt Lake County's data, and we'll follow that here on KSL News Radio also uh, some heads up later on tonight Joe Biden is expected to address the nation not likely to take place during my show here but as soon as uh, he does take to the microphone you can count on here and I'm here and anything the the president or his campaign has to say we'll share it with you here on live mic right now though I want to focus on something that has just captured my attention uh, since Tuesday night, and it has to do uh, with what will likely be a record number of women to be uh, slated to serve in the 117th Congress, in particular Republican women. There has been a dramatic shift in the number of Republican women serving in Congress due to victories uh, enjoyed uh, Tuesday evening. And those uh, numbers have only climbed as more races have been uh, finalized and certified and called uh, since then. Uh, To help me understand what what this means, how it happened, and to get some advice, uh, Mia Love, former Congresswoman herself. Uh, Mia, how are you?
1: well. How are you, Lee?
0: I'm all right. Uh, Pleased to be speaking with you. Uh, Talk to me. What's going on? What is this historic shift taking place right now in the House of Representatives?
1: Okay, so um, obviously what you see today is a result of a lot of effort that was done previously. Um, I was actually elected in with Representative Elise Stefanik from New York. And Elise Stefanik, um, her second term, was actually recruited by the NRCC, to recruit more women, and she you know, wanted to actually do this separate program with the NRCC, and she was told no, that she can just go out and recruit everybody just the same. But she actually worked really hard on trying to recruit women. So it's so funny, um, in speaking to her uh, today, knowing that I was anticipating this interview today, she said that it really hit her when she recruited over 100 women last quarter, and when she sat there and all of these, um, the new freshmen um, were were taking their picture, this is last quarter, she realized that there were only two freshman women on the Republican side, and there were over 30 on the Democrat side. Um, actually, come to think of it, um, Carol Miller was one of them, and Young King from California, Kim was uh, uh, was the other one from California, and she actually ended up losing the race. Um, even though she was their orientation why she ended up um, coming short. And she said, this is absolutely ridiculous. And she said that recruiting is one step, but she needed to go a lot further and then stopped asking permission. Mm. She said, I'm not going to ask permission to recruit women in the NRCC. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to make sure I'm not just recruiting, but I'm following through all the way to the end. And I, I honestly believe if it weren't for Elise Stefanik, These wonderful women, 23 Republican women, um, wouldn't be elected along with the 83 Democratic women.
0: Uh, I want to talk about the, the, the follow-through and supporting through to the, the finish line, as you've described. But talk to me uh, about re- recruiting. When you say recruiting, what does that mean? Uh, someone is approached by an organization to say, hey, we think you ought to be in Congress. Well, what does recruiting look like when an organization or an individual <laughs> is looking for someone to, to run for Congress? I, I, I thought it was a, desi- well, a decision made by here's an individual. What's really
1: interesting. Elise Stefanik and I actually recruited Deidre Henderson. When the third district seat became open after Jason Chaffetz left, and um, she agreed to run, and that is there you go right there. She, she was recruited to actually run. Most women, if you as opposed to their male counterparts, they don't just look in the mirror and say, "Hey, by the way, you could be the next congresswoman," or you could. It takes a lot of effort to get these women to to run, and statistics will show that when applying for a job. Um, men will look for filling about 50% of the requirements before they apply for a job, or women will um, see if they fulfill or if they meet 100% of the requirements before they apply. It's no different for Congress. It's harder to convince women to run. For office. Mm. And so we recruit women, but the problem is we don't see it through. It's more than just recruiting. You have to help financially. You have to help with media. You have to help with um, communication. It's just following through. And she told me that she followed through, made sure that the NRCC didn't leave them on their own, that they were whatever resources or training they needed which people, whether they realize it or not, really need to understand um, how to get their commun- how to get their message across, how to communicate. Um, so I, I really it, that that's what I mean by recruiting. You go out and you can approach women and convince them to run, but it's got to be more than just that.
0: Well, how, how about this? You have been in Congress as a Republican woman. There is a large uh, group of them entering Congress or will be in the 117th Congress. What advice would you give them?
1: I'll say to realize that everybody fought their way there and you get there and you think that, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I was able to get through. It's best for you to lay low, learn, listen. Um, you might learn something. You know, I've always I made it my motto not to be a show pony, but a workhorse. And then when you do that, you actually gain quite a bit of respect from your colleagues. And that is a really good step in getting things done. Um, being able to have people sign on to bills because if you go in there and you think that you are just the, you know, you you just made it through and you're just this number one person and, you know, no one no one really respects that. They really want somebody who's willing to put in the work to show up at the committee meeting, show up at every vote, um, really earn their place there um, and show that they can carry a bill. So I would say work hard. Don't try and, you know, get those social media moments that may make you popular, but may not give you the opportunity to actually get something done for the people in your district.
0: Do you think that's a think that's a truth among members of Congress? Those who uh, are, are most present in the headlines who have the largest social media followings, are they less effective uh, as legislators or are there those who are able to, 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 balance that appropriately?
1: You know, if you look at it, actually, if you look at the bills that were passed by people like, uh um, Alexandria uh, uh, casio Cortez. They're not as much as people who sometimes, you know, don't get um, don't get into the, me- the into social media a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on what you want to be popular for, right? You could be popular for being a, um, a you know throwing bombs, as that would, as they would call it, yeah. or you could be popular um, with your district for getting things done. So. There are a lot of people that have been incredibly effective, that have gotten so much done um, for their district, but you don't see them as the bomb throwers in the headlines. So you have to decide what you want to be. Um, And I can tell you right now that a lot of the there are a lot of people in the House of Representatives that I can tell you aren't very happy on the Democrat side that aren't very happy with the freshmen that are coming in that are just kind of disturbing things. They want they want to actually get things done. Get things moving and get things done. So um, it depends on what you want to be popular for.
0: So, yeah. Uh, well, listen, thank you so much. Our time has expired. I, I wish that we could hang out here and, and chat for longer. I have plenty of questions to ask about this, but it's uh, <laughs> a fascinating development, some history being made. Uh, Mia Love, my guest, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Lee. All righty. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, I want to spend some time talking about uh, the lawsuits which have been filed and what they mean and what the impact of them will be on this election, if any at all. And so as you hear about lawsuits being filed, uh, cases being made, judges making decisions, what does that actually have to do with the election of the president of the United States? We'll find out next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this it's KSL News Radio.
1: Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport.
0: There's desperation and anguish.
1: More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andreas Martin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors?